You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, our sermon today is from the Gospel of John, and it's like the most famous verse in the entire world. What verse is that? John 3.16, of course. I'm going to read that together. You know, it's hard for me to read this from the NIV. It's the wrong translation, because I memorized this is in King James. And I noticed last time, Pastor, you know what she did? She quoted in King James. I said, yes, okay, it's good. (laughs) (laughs) For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be plainly seen that what they have done is being done in the sight of God. This is the word of the Lord. It's it's an incredible blessing to think about this. Do you remember this guy? Rock and Rollin. In the 80s and 90s, he was showing up everywhere. Uh, the crazy rainbow wig, John 316 shorter signs, and you know, doing his crazy stuff. I, I was not a fan of his. Seriously, I wasn't. Because it was, it just felt like it wasn't, he was trying to get attention to himself, it seemed to me. Uh, he's crazy, I mean, literally crazy. Uh, he came to Christ, and this was his ministry for a while. But in 1992, he was found guilty of multiple charges of kidnapping, and he's doing three life sentences in prison in California. You know, I love John 3.16, but I'm really, really glad that he's gone, and the mockery that was done of that is gone, and now we can bring John 3.16 back to the cross of Jesus Christ. There is one place that advertises John 3.16 that intrigues me to no end, and it's In-N-Out Burger. And I was just there when I was down in uh, California just recently, and there was an In-N-Out near the hotel I was in there in Santa Cruz, in San, San Jose. So I went over and got one and got a drink, of course, and at the bottom of the drink is what? John 3.16. And I... So I, I, I knew it was there, I'd found it before, and I'd wondered why the people had founded uh, In-N-Out Burger, or Believers, and their son, in 1987, started doing this because he had come to Christ as an older man, and he just said, it's something I want to do. It's a family-owned company, so he put John 3.16, the bottom of cups, and other places, the current CEO of, Bur- of In-N-Out, Lindsay Snyder, 37-year-old 
CEO, granddaughter of the chain's founders, returned to God after she lost her father as a teenager and let, life, later went through three, three failed marriages before she's 37. Sent her down a very, very, very dark path, she says. I finally found the deep need in my heart can only be filled by Jesus, my identity in him, she said. And she's come to Christ through that. And what she has done is she's continued this on bottom of soft drink cups. But what she's done is put it in other places with other verses. So now if you go to in and out you will find things like Proverbs 24 on the... Uh, what is that? Oh, that's the double-double, yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, like, the, the milkshake cup has Proverbs 3, 5, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not thy own understanding. Hamburg and cheese wrappers have Revelation 3.20 that's there. Behold, I stand in the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him. Uh, there are others in there, too. Uh, so, the, it just, why does she do it? Because she wants to give respectful testimony to the power of God to change a life like hers. And that's what we stand together with. So we look at this passage. It's by far the best known passage in the Bible. People have never been in a church in their life still know John 3.16 because it's around even in our somewhat unchurched world for God. Greatest subject possible of a, sen of a sentence. God. Did what? So loved. The greatest affection you can imagine, God loving the world. The whole world. Not just Nicodemus. Not just Simeon and Anna who waited for him in the temple. Not just the nation of Israel. The world that he gave his one and only son, the greatest gift possible, he gave freely. That whoever, 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 widest possible opportunity, whoever believes in him, a great commitment to receive a great gift. Whoever believes in him shall not perish. The greatest rescue that could possibly be done to rescue from death, but have eternal life. The greatest possible reward. I mean, everything in this verse is just packed with power. But it's so simple a child can memorize it and understand the basics of it. So what I want to do is just go through this phrase by phrase and think with it a bit. It's such a powerful passage, and I've got a story I'll finish up with later. God so loved. And I think, okay, what, do I want, what word do I want to use to, to kind of summarize that? And I put in there unconditional. Because I think, you know, having just been through the election nonsense... Do I want, if somebody wanted to give me this world, would I take it? Probably not. 
I think the liabilities that come with that gift would be way high. God loved, God loved. It has to be unconditional. And it is. Because he is the faithful one who does it. He's the creator of heaven and earth. And he loves that kind of a love. What'd you put in the blank here? What would you put in the blank? I love blank. Well, you know what I'm going to put there, right? What's going to be there? Yeah, her. <laughs> My pretty wife, Sherry. That's her last anniversary. She's going to hate me forever, but I love the picture. I, I, I just, yeah, I like that smile. And, of course, Nicole and Colton, who are tightly connected. We're expecting something to happen soon. Joe and Nathaniel, she already has his ring three weeks ago, and they're trying to figure out when they can get married. I mean, this, are, this is young love and deeply committed. They really, really with each other. And then Elizabeth is our Kansas City granddaughter. This is a, at the trunk or treat at her church back in Kansas City, where we were at her baptism about three months ago. So we celebrated that together as a family. And then, of course, there's Cindy, our adopted daughter, and Michael, our other grandson, goofing around with bears. I mean, what can you say? What I, and I thought, what else would I put in there? And I thought, that's enough. That's enough. I mean, I could love other things, too. What would you put there that you love unconditionally? Because there are loves, but this is God saying that he loves. And so what we're thinking is, what does this love look like? And the first thing I see is this love is self-initiated. And it's, it's a love that nobody told him to do. He's under absolutely no obligation to do it of any kind. Now, this woman over here manipulated me into asking her to marry me. That's, I mean, it's true. Um, she, she'll tell the story almost accurately. Uh, I wasn't again the idea, uh, but it wasn't my idea that night to... I didn't even, wasn't even in my head to do anything like that, but she's a good, effective manipulator, and we're 54 and a half years in. <laughs> Love you, pretty wife. <laughs> but see, nobody manipulated. Nobody was trying to get God's love, really. It's self-initiated, and it's to some very unlovely people. Easy, easy, easy for me of Nicole and Joy and Elizabeth and Michael and Cindy are and other more non-legal kids. It's easy. Who does God love? Romans 5, 6. Whom does God love? The ungodly. Romans 5, 8. Whom does God love? Whom does God love? Sinners. Mm-hmm. This is guys who threw firebombs into the Gresham Prayer Sea. Sherry volunteered at that, that place for a long time. The office he threw the firebomb into was the office she worked in. It feels very personal. God loves that man. I don't think I do, but God does. Whom does God love? Enemies. Enemies. He loves very unlovely people. 
what we're talking about here. Who is the Hitler in your life? Who is the Hitler in your life? Our daughter Cindy grew up in hell. Her dad and brothers hurt her so awful. They would probably be the Hitlers in my life, though I've never met any of them. When it says God so loved the world, that speaks to how much he loved, which is the way we often read that, but it also speaks to how he loved, in what way he loved. He loved in this way by giving his son. So it's both the magnitude and the method of God's love. And we see here that God's love is what moves him, what motivates him to come to sinners and bring redemption. But it's not just his love that does it. It's also his holiness. So in Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve do the sin thing there, it's God's holiness that moves him, his dedication, because holy means dedicated to. It's his dedication to them that he comes to them to invite confession. Isaiah 6, where you see the holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is full of his glory. It's that holiness that moves him to come to Isaiah to cleanse him so he can go to Israel and invite them to redemption. God's holiness. And I look at this story from Jesus. In front of one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Now, leprosy is contagious. And it's also unclean under the Mosaic Covenant. So you don't want to be around a leper. In fact, a leper, when they came near people, had to cry out, unclean, unclean. This man didn't cry out unclean. He fell on the face on the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And what does Jesus do? He reaches out and does what? Touches him. Yes, I'm willing. And immediately the leprosy left him. See, holiness cleanses what is done by the power of God. The world word I put there? Well, I mean, the word that came there is universal. I mean, it's everything. The world in Bible means the entire cosmos, sun, stars, galaxies, nebulae, all that stuff. It also means the planet. It means all humanity. And it talks about a world system under Satan that's the evil place, all four of those meanings. The meaning here probably primarily is humanity. But it's also the planet, it's also all of the cosmos, because God's going to bring cleansing to the entire universe. But the focus here is humans, because the cosmos does not believe. Universal. First John, my dear children, I write this that you may not sin. If anybody does sin, you have an advocate to the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. That's how wide God's love is. It's universal, but it's not universal-ist because you have to make a decision about it. See, just simple universalism, God would come in and just make everybody do it. 
But no, there's a, there's a response to it that he gave. The word I put here is personal. Because whatever this is, I mean, I appreciate that. And it's personal in some sense, but this is not going to give me a hug. This is a person who is a gift. So it's personal in a whole different way than a, whatever is in this envelope. It's a concrete historical act when the second person Trinity became incarnate and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. That's an actual event. It's not an idea. It's not a concept. It's a personal reality. And it's compassion and grace in action. And when you look at the character of God, Exodus 34, 6, 7, this is the most quoted verse in the Bible by the Bible. And it's where God declares his character. Yahweh, Yahweh, he gives his name twice. He says, I'm a person I want to relate. And he wants to relate with people who are mocking him by worshiping a golden calf. And the first word they used to describe himself is compassionate or merciful. Sometimes it's translated. Or Rahum. And that word in another form means a mother's womb. And what this is saying when God is compassionate, it means God feels toward the world the way a mother feels toward the child that was in her womb for nine months, no matter what that child is doing. It's a great picture of who God is. He's gracious. He helps. He's slow to anger. You can make him mad, but you have to work at it. He's loving, which we're talking about in John 3. He's faithful. He's forgiving. But he does not give the, leave the guilty unpunished. This is a character of our God who gives this gift. And that gift is his one and only son. And the word I put here is costly. And the reason I say that, part of it, of course, is what that son's going to do. He's going to come into this world as a baby at Bethlehem. He's immediately going to be treated as a dangerous person or going to try to kill him. He's going to live in Bethlehem for a few days and then go to Egypt and live as a refugee. And then just go to Nazareth, and I can imagine what the boys do to him on the playground. Hey, Jesus, where's your daddy? You know, we call it bullying. He goes to Jerusalem, arrested by the high priest soldiers and savagely abused. And he goes to a cross. A most horrible, horrible, horrible way to die. Full of shame. And that's the second person of the Trinity. How much did it cost Jesus? But see, it's also who sacrificed him. The Roman soldiers crucified him. The Jewish opponents are ones that egged the Romans on to do that. But Isaiah 53.10 says it was the Father's will to crush him so that he could be the sacrifice for our sins. It was the father who sacrificed his own son 
to be our sacrifice. Now, that's not divine, it's not divine child abuse. The son is fully participant. And it wasn't done to savage pleasure. It was done as an incredible act of grace and mercy. I've got two fine bio sons, Don and David. I cannot even begin to imagine sacrificing one of them. It's totally beyond my comprehension. But yet God of the universe, who is the most compassionate being ever, gave his one and only son, and it's costly to both of them. Why? Because he wanted to bring life to us. Who would believe in him. And the thing I put here, it's available. It's available to anybody. Belief. All you have to do is receive the gift. But what does that mean? Well, to believe him means trusting into a trustworthy person. An analogy I use is, I mentioned Cindy a couple times here. She was a young adult when we adopted her. And she had to receive the gift when we said, actually, Sherry and led to that. But with my full support, would you be our daughter? And she had to receive that. It was hard for her to do that, to trust that we really meant it. But she trusted into a trustworthy person in promise. But it's also entrusting because you're giving your life into this person, God of the universe, Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it means as a belief. It's not just a concept. It's not just information. It's joining in a life. And that life is a life of the community that reaches out and helps people like the baby that Rachel was talking about, like the kids were running around here for foster parents night out yesterday to all kinds of different people. Entering into life in a way of life that frankly is incredibly joyful place to be. Incredibly joyful. I just with Christopher, our sort of son, he and Jeanette live back in Oklahoma now. And he was a throwaway kid. But he's in junior high. When he was inconvenienced, mom would just throw him out. And David found out about our son and he ended up I just said, Christopher, anytime you don't have a place to stay, you're welcome here. And after a while he moved in with us and lived with us for a couple of years and came to Christ and He's our sort of son now. He and Janet both came to Christ during that time. I did their wedding. I've got two sort of grandkids. Because you reach out to sort of kids, like, and you bring them in, and it's incredible. I sat with them in their home back in Oklahoma. Just the joy of that. But man, it was hard to do at some points. Not perish, but have eternal life. Incredible benefits. Eternal life. Why do we need that? Because God came into a serpent-bit world. The serpent, the devil, that enemy or soul, the prince of this world, came and pumped his poison of selfishness and despair and death and debauchery and chaos 
into our veins, literally, and into the world, and we see it all the time. And this snake-bit world is where he came to bring redemption and freedom and life. True or false? It's a very popular meme. True or false? It's an incredibly powerful lie of Satan. It's an incredibly powerful lie. Because we who are image of God and full of gifted and possibilities, when you say you're enough, no, it's not true. That's the very thing that brings death, which is separation from God and separation from the community of God. What we should be saying is something like this. Until Jesus is enough, nothing else will be. And that's the life that Jesus came to bring, is to give you the power to be his very child and to do the work he's called us to do. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. Have you ever had that experience when you're driving down the road, maybe, maybe a little fast, maybe a little, you know, eight, you're fine, nine, you're mine. It, I think that's the meme here in Oregon. And maybe you're going 13 over the limit and suddenly you see the flashy lights behind you. Have you, have you been there? You want to volunteer that you know what it's like? Yeah. Now they just take your camera, take a picture of you. But you're sitting there on the road, flashlights behind you, you're waiting, and here comes a police officer up and driver's license and insurance, so hand it over. And he looks at that and says, uh, Mr. Brashears, uh, thank you for stopping. Uh, what are you expecting right now? The ticket, $165 or whatever it is. That's something like that. And let's say the policeman does that, and he says, Mr. Brashears, uh, thank you for stopping. I have a gift card for a brand new car. Here, sir, would you receive that? Has that ever happened to you? No. But see, that's what this is. This is the judge of the world coming in, looking at our sin and our stuff, and giving us a gift for a brand new car called eternal life. Will you receive it? And this is where it comes out. Lovers of darkness, lovers of darkness refuse him. And what that does is compounds their condemnation. Because they're condemned not only because of the evil that they do as lovers of darkness, they are condemned because they reject the very gift of life that God gives. Why? This is the verdict. Light has come into the world and people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. The evildoers hate the light. So the question is how you respond to this incredible gift. How will you respond to this incredible gift? And the very, very, very strange things is some refuse the light because they love their darkness, they love their evil. And they do. I've talked to some of them. And they reject 
the free forgiveness, the life that God gives because they prefer their selfish sin. There are others, there are others who reject the light because their fear and shame is larger than their hope. When our daughter Cindy came to Christ, her fear and shame was huge. She was still living in deep darkness and she was not Cindy Brashears at that point, she was Cindy Brown. And it was a hellish place to be. And a friend of the family kept inviting her to church and she'd say yes because you're supposed to, but then when a woman come to her house to pick her up on Sunday morning, she wouldn't be there because her fear and shame were way too big to go to church. And then there was a day when she forgot the woman was coming and she was at home and opened the door and there she was. What is she going to do? What is she going to do? What she found in that day at that church, in the Gospel of John 3.16, she found that her fear, shame, and guilt can be healed and cleansed, and she made a commitment to Christ that day that completely changed her life. Jay preached last Sunday and talked about the woman at the well a throwaway woman who's five, five husbands throw her out, and the sixth guy didn't even bother to marry her, just brought her into kind of a sex slave. But when she heard the word of Jesus, her shame and fear was removed. And what she did after this happened, she left her water jar, the woman went back into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And the response to these people was many from Samaria went out and believed in him because of the woman's testimony. See, she could, she was just telling what Jesus had done for her to other people so they could also receive that gift. Incredible. 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 John 17. This is one of these passages I just can't get past. Jesus in his prayer in the upper room, praying for the disciples before he's going to go off and be crucified, says, I pray for those who will believe in me. That's us, many of us. Through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, and I am in you. That's talking about the Trinitarian relationship between the Father and the Son, but it doesn't stop there. Look what it says next. May they also be in us. What's that saying? May they also be in us. What that's saying is we can experience the blessings of life with the triune God. Incredible. Worship team, come on up here. We're going to, I'm winding down slowly. We can experience life in the triune God, the kind of life that the Father and Son have for all of eternity. We can share that now. And I look at this picture this verse 
Sarah, you can do it in King James again this time. Are you going to quote in King James by mistake this time? No. Oh, you should. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is a world changer. And we can take this message to the world. This is the gospel. And we want to sing it together. Can we do that? I kind of I kind of apologize to a whole bunch of you who haven't got to see Aaron dancing here. What a delight. What a delight. Oh my gosh. So good. I love it. I love it. And you're trying to crawl her. Don't. She's delightful. Yeah. You know, John 3:16 to me is a personal verse. Cuz my son Don and Susan were high school sweethearts and Don popped the question, Susan said yes, and they wanted me to do the wedding because they had been at David's wedding and wanted to be like that, and I wanted to do their wedding. There's just one problem. Susan wasn't a Christian. Delightful woman, really, really fine. She was back at college in Iowa, and Don and I were in our house at that point at our place over Mount Tabor. The olden days when you had extension phones. Do you remember those days? Yeah, no. Long time ago. So Don was in one room. I was in another room. And we were talking to Susan. And she knew exactly what we were calling. Awkward. Well, I had her number, yeah. I, and I called and I said, you know, we did a little bit. And I said, Sue, I just asked the E question. Susan, if... If you were to stand before Jesus and said, why should I let you into my heaven, what would you say? I knew what she said. I've been a pretty good person, which is absolutely true, but wrong answer. Because you'd never be good enough to merit getting God's heaven. And I said, Susan, do you have a Bible there in your room back in your college dorm? And she said, no, I don't. I said, Don, would you grab a Bible? I want you to read John 3.16 to Susan. Well, he didn't have to grab a Bible. He just quoted it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I began talking about that verse with Susan, just asking her questions, and she began in doing the truth of what that meant. And by the end of that hour conversation, she had made a commitment to follow Jesus and pray to sinner's prayer. And she joined BS Bible Study Fellowship after that. And like I said, I was just Elizabeth's baptism at their church back in Kansas City. The power of that transformation was this incredible hellish life of Cindy, our adopted daughter, or the really blessed life of Susan, our daughter-in-law doesn't make any difference. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. I'm going to pray here and I'm just pray a simple prayer along the lines of what Susan prayed. And if you haven't received Jesus yet and you're kind of that maybe I should take a shot at this. Just pray that prayer with me, and then we've got prayer teams over on the side. 
We've got the next step over in the cafe afterward. Just follow up and talk to somebody. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving the world so much that you would even sacrifice your own son for the horrendous cost of that to you. Jesus, thank you for living to show us how to live and then dying to be the sacrifice for our sins, to take away our shame, our fear, our guilt, but even more so to come back to life, to bring that life to us, snake-bit people. And for anyone here who wants to do that exploration with Jesus, just pray something like this. Thank you, God, that you love me. I, I don't know just what that means. But the idea that you would give your son for me is helping me deal with the fact of my shame, sacrifice, giving up my guilt. I, I, I want to do that. I want to... I want my, I'm so ashamed of stuff I've done. I'm so ashamed of the way people treated me. So afraid of what might happen and my, my guilt. Would you give me your life? Would you give me your forgiveness? I think I want that. Not quite sure what it is, but I want, I want to, be rid of the shame and fear and guilt. Jesus, help me. Holy Spirit, I pray that if any has prayed that prayer or those of us who have been longtime Christians, still that prayer is very real. Will you just do your work to bring transformation and life like you did with Cindy and Susan and others, Christopher, Jeanette? Thank you for the life we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray that prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Go change the world with that message. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.